Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. I, of course, am JJJ, a.k.a. the Six Button Samurai, your host with the most chilling at the post, <laughs> hanging out with my co-host, longtime friend, um, Jedi Knight, and friend of Captain Solo, Mr. Game Agent E.T. Eddie, uh, how are you, sir? I, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine, sir. Thank you. Good. Is everything going well on your side of the galaxy? <laughs> you know, besides it being 110 fucking degrees outside, like it's all right. Wow. So <laughs> the uh, temperatures finally went up, huh? Yes. Same Summer here. Finally arrived out here in the desert, and it kicked and down the screen door. It's it's gotten real, real toasty, loco. Nice. If I do say so myself. Wow. So, um, any anything you know, else going on? Uh, well, uh, I mean, in... what that means fundamentally for me is mm-hmm. a lot more gaming. Oh yeah, <laughs> because you don't want to be outside. Not yeah. this. Oh. Um, and it's weird too because like Tucson always has that reality of like summertime is when the town gets real sleepy. Most people spend a lot of time inside. You know, maybe you come out at night after the sun goes down, chill on your porch, have a beer or whatever. But for the most part, like, you know, these are the dog days when you lay low. Um, but uh, that means a lot of uh, gameplay. And right now, there's definitely a lot worth playing. Um, definitely. Where are you at these days with... Uh, with what you're doing, what you're playing. Are you plugged into anything right now? Or are you kind of transitional? What's going on? What what's going on right now is um, well, I kinda had to perform surgery on my Joy Cons. I finally got to the point where I was like, Man, I can't stand this drift. I mm-hmm. keep getting messages saying like reconnect your controller, like you have to do the LR button thing almost every two seconds so i finally decided to try to fix it myself so i got the gilly uh kit uh joyce Mm -hmm. uh the analog sticks right (laughs) well you have to perform the surgery yourself and what ended up happening is uh i'm not very savvy with technical stuff and i ended up uh accidentally pulling out one of the cables for my battery on one of the joy cons so that one's dead because I don't know how to solder. And the little points that connect the uh, connector are very small. So even mm-hmm. if I could solder, I don't know how it would work, if it would actually still work. So that's uh, 4,000 yen down the drain. Uh, oh, and then sucks. my other, th- that was one right Joy-Con. The other right Joy-Con, um, I put the uh, other analog stick in there. Uh, my left stick is fine, but the right stick, um, that's fine. But I found out very quickly, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot the A button also doesn't work on this thing. <laughs> so I have to figure out how to fix the A button on my right Joy-Con now. And I got so frustrated uh, with fixing that. It took four hours that I kind of didn't play Switch for a week. <laughs> wow. And uh, I got back on it recently. Um, still playing uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and also, uh, I'm tempted to play Fire Emblem on GBA for uh, the NSO. Nintendo Switch Online uh, just released it this week. Nice. And uh, I love that game, but I never finished it because almost all the t- Well, I should say all the time. Fire Emblem games, uh, they get too hard. <laughs> especially when you do the whole permadeath thing it's like if one of my characters die i reset right i forgot about that aspect of that yeah particular series so it's gotten to the point where almost anything you do you die and if Mm -hmm. you don't level up certain characters at, at a certain point you've got nowhere else to go so one word of advice hopefully it's not spoilerish but you usually get like a tank guy 
that mm-hmm. uh, absorbs a lot of hits and hits really hard. But right. as he levels up, he's not going to be as effective. And it, if you keep leveling him up, you don't level up your other characters. So you got to find that nice balance. You want right. to level them up a little bit, but not depend on them too much. Yeah, you don't want to just stick to that strategy and be one-dimensional, because then yeah. all your other guys are going to become cannon fodder, I'd imagine. Exactly. That's why I had to, I had to reset anyway. So I, I would like to play that game after Tears of the Kingdom, because, damn it, I want to finally beat a Fire Emblem game. Right. <laughs> but that's that's going on that's what's going on how about you very cool um last week i finally received my um asia region copy of the final fantasy pixel remasters for switch nice so i have been well it's been kind of a strange sort of this is kind of prefacing the big question that we'll get into later on but i've kind of been experiencing this strange sort of final fantasy bookend sandwich as it were because i just finished the demo of ff16 i haven't yet played beyond that even though my physical copy of that game arrived yesterday um but i've also simultaneously been playing the original final fantasy which is a game i never played before um my journey with that series actually started with Final Fantasy 2 in the US aka Final Fantasy 4 mm-hmm. in Japan. So that's yeah. a really strange and interesting treat and it's it's really interesting to see like what was kind of always there from the get-go and then you know there's a lot of things about it that are sort of very prototype and a little bit strange. Like I think most of us that have experienced the series, you know, probably glommed onto it at some later point. Um, big props. If you were actually there on the NES, like on day one, like I know some folks were, but you know, it was not like a giant mainstream success, which is why we didn't get two or three for the Famicom here in the U S um so yeah like it the arranged soundtracks for that are so freaking good um so i mean that alone like having all six games in one cart with a music player that allows you access to the entirety of all the soundtracks from the jump like original or arranged is spectacular um not to mention having all of the Yoshitaka Amano artwork and, you know, these enormous galleries for every game in the series. Nice. Did so, you, did you get a, uh, like the special edition where it has like all the art books and like the big, uh, pixel, like pixel art. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but it looked like it, it looked like a mat or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I didn't get the super fancy one. I just got the, the physical cart for switch, you know, kind of the standalone basic edition of it, but I'm loving it to pieces. Um, I'm at like level 41 (laughs) in it. And I've like got two of the crystals, just got the airship. I'm finally poking around like in the, cause you know, whenever you get the airship, that means, Oh, you're going to go explore a new continent. And so, it's exciting that like it's like that from the very beginning. Yeah, with the series. <laughs> when, when I when I played it, it was such a experience that I've never had, pretty much nobody ever had because, I mean, we only had what Dragon Warrior up to that point, or did Dragon so. Warrior I'm... even come out before Final the Fantasy? Dragon, well, all all four. Here's the weird thing, like. All four Dragon Warrior, aka Dragon Quest games, came out in the U.S. Yeah, which is really strange now when you think about it. That like all of those landed here, mm-hmm. but we only got one of the FF games. Yeah, um, but... but even Dragon Quest, like it was kind of doing its own sort of like quasi PC thing by just having the like first person battles. Yeah, 
and they were really, really sparse, like barely animation, any animation. Of course, you would only see your characters in like their walking icon form, like when you're walking around towns. Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, how should I say it? Just it was like if you if you played it now, like if a modern gamer played it now, they'd be so bored. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for us, we'd be like, yeah, this is such nostalgia i just i don't know i'm having a really good time and it's just it's such a fascinating like relic to me and obviously it benefits enormously from you know the quasi snes sort of facelift that it got yeah all of the quality of life improvements that are present in the game i mean you can actually mess with like how many encounters happen or how much uh gold or experience you're getting per battle but like I've been leaving all of those completely default. Like I know it's still fundamentally like a much more forgiving and user-friendly experience, but like I'm holding myself to that because it actually is like really, really enjoyable. And I don't want to like yoink the teeth out of it and suddenly just have it be like this game genified. Yeah. You definitely want to experience it for what it was. I mean, even though this is a pixel remaster, it's still, essentially the same game uh unless you turn on the tweaks but well it is and even like you know there's even some kind of weirdly like negative aspects about it like i forgot that there used to not just be like black and white mages they're also like red and blue ones i remember the red ones but not the blue ones wait wait aren't the black mages actually blue uh they because, have those little blue robes yeah but, that's what i'm saying yeah. but they were they all were called like mages. yeah all i know is that like there's there's very specific spells that like my casters don't get access to and it's kind of a pain in the ass because like one of them is like the escape dungeon spell yeah and who has that is it the uh the black mage i think it's the it's the red mage okay because yeah the red mage was a mix of both uh spell casters i believe is that right mm-hmm. and and had a yeah. better fighting skills yep but not up to the level of any regular fighter i would think yeah uh, so it's like the middle of the road kind of catch all it's like the mario and mario kart right yeah pretty much yeah um but yeah i remember uh i i had a friend who played that game to death and uh he had four kung fu guys and mm-hmm. they were all maxed out. So when mm-hmm. he got to the final boss, it just hit he hit him once and he died. It was like one punch man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was beautiful. I think nice. uh, even that uh one secret well not secret guy, but the one that it, it's like a mech and it's notoriously mm-hmm. the toughest uh character in the game. It's even tougher mm-hmm. than most of the bosses. Mm. Uh, I I, th- I I forgot the name of it. Okay. But it's like a warmech type of thing. You'll you'll notice right. you'll know when you see it because it'll nuke you, literally nuke you, and your okay. whole party will die. But yeah, he could hit that with one hit too. <laughs> it's crazy. Nice. It's That's crazy. Exciting. Yeah, so you could do uh, something crazy like that if you want. For sure. Yeah. Um, let's slide into some news tidbits because there was a lot that happened this week. Some of it was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of it are things that we're completely fucking sick of talking about, and that will make itself readily apparent very, very soon. Yes. Um, <laughs> one thing that we are actually excited about is the Nintendo Direct, which uh, there was a lot of feeling that one was coming, especially because there were sort of giant questions facing the Switch platform the rest of 2023 to the tune of what the hell else is coming out this year and turns out there's a lot yeah um (laughs) do you want to talk about some of the reveals and some of the things that you're excited about well i didn't know that i wanted star ocean r until i saw it (laughs) oh my god it looks so good i've never played star ocean before um yeah people said that they picked the right one to remaster because star ocean 2 is 
the definitive game of the series. Everyone said that every other game from Star Ocean is either meh or not good at all. Okay. So um, you definitely want to check that out. I it it looked exciting. I I thought it looked beautiful and. I, <laughs> Damn it, it's like one of those games where it's like you really want to play, but there's so many games to play. You're probably going to yes. buy it, and you're not going to play it for years. And and that's like the tale of my library right now, man. Yeah. This show, I've, I have a really, like, genuinely stupid backlog at this point. Yeah. And I almost think that, like, if I stop buying games for the next six months, I would probably be fine. And I don't think there's a damn thing I'd actually miss, but... Yeah. Will I do that? Probably not. I think uh <laughs> one motivational thing to do is probably start our own Twitch channel and then like yeah. just play these games and have other people kind of partake in it and Right. That'll be kind of fun, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have the I mean, setup. Since lots but... of people are leaving Twitch now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> More room for us, us little guys. Maybe we'll get big and demand uh 10 million a year and then i'll get a hot tub man i'm not above it you know well, i mean i well, just want to get paid and yeah. play some games yeah and, you know sit in the tub to do yeah you know just, just don't drop the controller <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but yeah nope. uh star ocean looks good um geez there's a lot of remakes right like uh luigi's mansion dark moon i'm excited about that because i was playing it on my 3ds and uh, I, mean, I haven't finished it. I really but... hope that's like the start of an exodus of great 3DS games that should appear on the Switch. Yep. And I'm just going to say right now an open prayer. Dear Lord, please bring us a link between worlds. That is the best low-key Zelda <laughs> game besides Link's Awakening original for Game Boy that is so good that people need to play it. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's got a yeah. uh, really interesting uh type of uh what what is it like basically set up where you buy your weapons right you can get any weapon you want but yeah you re- you rent them right you rent them yeah yeah and i think that's cool that's a nice kind of different take to any other zelda game and mm-hmm. the story's good and the graphics are beautiful yeah yeah it should come out on switch i agree for sure uh what have no the new Luigi's Mansion is dope. I mean, obviously, yeah. like I think most of us were pretty taken aback by the announcement of Super Mario RPG. Yes, man. <laughs> um, I can imagine so many people like literally. This is uh, they were doing this for the last what two three years, like pissing and moaning, like man, Nintendo's so stupid, man. They they have Super Mario RPG on the, on the mini SNES, and they're never going to bring it out on the, on, on the Nintendo Switch Online. I'm so pissed at them. They're so stupid. Why do they keep doing this crap? And then uh, they see the Direct uh, last week, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what's going on. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... I, I guess I wondered, like, I don't know how Square Enix feels about that i mean clearly you can you can't really on the flip side like you can't really conceive of a world in which nintendo enters a collaborative partnership like that and doesn't retain like full publishing rights like in perpetuity right yeah exactly yeah um so but still like you wondered because like it's kind of neither here nor there it's kind of a very old school title but by the same token like in a world in which uh live alive gets remade and put out on a variety of platforms surely like if that shows up then my god like the floodgates have to be open right like there's got to be exactly the pot you know wide open possibilities for like a range of other games from that era to show up and Um, you would have to imagine like this at least took three years to develop if not more because it's not gonna i mean they showed it last week but it didn't happen overnight and they don't release stuff until it's almost ready to go and that's what they did already looking like really impressive 
Yeah. It's supposed to come out in Yoko November. Shinomura back doing the, yeah, doing the arranged soundtrack, which is going to be fantastic. I mean, the music in that game is an absolute burner. Yeah. She's one of the most uh, epic uh, uh, composers ever. I mean, if you ever listen to the Street Fighter 2 music, that's her work. And yep. countless other games. She yeah. She's a master of game music definitely excited about that um like i said i didn't get to play it because i was i keep saying uh back in those days all i was into was fighting games and tecmo super bowl so i right. totally missed out on a lot of uh, rpgs in my uh uh teens and uh early 20s but i'm glad that yeah ironically like I'm actually fairly close to finishing the original. Yeah, um, I remember you were super NES. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how you felt about that because you're like, oh man, that's good. Cr- oh, but I'm, you know, just I'm perfectly. <laughs> here's the thing: I am perfectly fine with it because that game is ridiculously charming. Uh-huh. You can spend a lot of time like exploring. There's like a boatload of weird side quests in the game as well. So I'm more than happy to support something like that because frankly, I want more, you know what I mean? The only way to ensure that you're going to get more of something, you know, if you're in the audience for something is to support it. So, yeah, I mean, the last time we got any sort of Mario RPG was back in the 3DS times when they had the Mario and Luigi series. So, yeah, those games are really, really good. Yeah. And I I wonder if maybe hopefully this does well and if this does well then you'd have to imagine a world in which maybe some of those wound up getting, you know, will wind up getting put into collections or individual remakes or something because they're really really good and they've got really really interesting and fun play mechanics that like, you know, those were some of the first games that really began to think about like, all right, like suppose you're not like a died in the wool dragon quest salary man. And you want some extra mechanics or something more interesting going on with your battles. Yeah. Timing based or yeah. Yeah. Um, those uh, games are fun on a bun. So I'm glad that there's a, there's a movement to sort of bring those back in earnest. The the only thing is that the Mario and Luigi uh, RPG uh, team, I think they got disbanded or they, they are no longer with Nintendo from what I understand as of last year. So yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they can somehow bring them back or. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing though. It's like that. I feel like as time goes on, and we sort of learn who worked with whom, this, that, and the other, like the world of those Japanese game developers is really not terribly big. No. Like all of those people seem to know each other, you know, unless you're like, I don't know, in prison, like Yuji Naka, like (laughs) the odds are that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna call you back and want you to come in and, and work on something. Hey, Yuji, so. uh, we're going to break you out later tonight so you can work on our <laughs> game. Is that cool? All right. Um, we're going to make a cake, all right? It's just, yep. just, uh, it's going to have rings in it. You can, <laughs> you can, uh, <laughs> rings and some speed shoes. <laughs> you can just bust it out. I really, I, I, I should not be shitting on somebody that has brought me joy in my time and now finds themselves in prison. I just like that's the weirdest damn thing, and because it's so weird, like I feel compelled to joke about it. Well, I just that's not the like, only I, weird thing that came about this week. But. Right? I mean, there's a like the dude seems to. He seems to have a way of courting drama yeah. somehow. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't know, man. Like he always seemed to, by virtue of his games anyway, you would think he's a relatively joyful, interesting, easygoing fellow, but you never that's know what I used to think until I heard all these reports <laughs> of how like he was a bear to work with as a person and very demanding. And then, yeah, this happened, the insider trading stuff and right. Now it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> nice knowing you. Yeah. 
We'll see. Oh, no. It's really, really, like, super-duper strange to ponder. Yeah. Um, obviously, another huge thing that caught most people's eyes about the Nintendo Direct, for obvious reasons, we had not heard of whatever direction a proper brand-new Mario title, quote-unquote, would be taking. At least, you know, there hadn't been anything since Odyssey, really. Um, and now we have that announcement in the form of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yeah. Um, what was your impression of that trailer? Well, I had to watch it a second time because the first time I didn't notice the details as much. Mm-hmm. But then I heard people talking about it and I watched it a little bit more closely. And mm-hmm. yeah. It seems like uh, Mario is much more animated, yes, and much more expressive, which is There's good. also more of like a stylistic thing, yeah, happening with him. Like when he gets a power up, there's kind of like a like a flash around him, mm-hmm. sort of thing, and then there's all these strange little bits of like added kind of environmental effects to when he's doing things, right? Yeah, and. Also, when he ducks or when he goes into a pipe, you'll see, like, a different type of animation instead of, like, the casual, like, stroll in or, you know, just... It, it, it's it's a little bit more like a cartoon now. Yeah. And that's a good thing because you had to really do something with Mario because of the fact that since the GameCube days, Mario's been looking kind of like the same. and. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's 3D Mario, so what? Uh, Especially from, like, the new Super Mario Brothers games on. Yeah. Like, all of those have, like, a really kind of samey sameness exactly. to them. Which is a little bit strange because, like, on the one hand, you would assume a game like that with that kind of art style is more aimed at sort of, like, the casual users or, like, people with, like certain expectations of like, well, this is going to be like a shiny, happy game. Right. Yeah. And yet ostensibly because it is, does play like a traditional 2d Mario game. Yeah. You would also think, well, there's probably a lot of people that grew up with the series that would be more the primary audience for it. So I was always struck by that strange sort of dichotomy with the new Super Mario Brothers games in particular, because on the one hand, they're super conservative artistically in a way that would appeal to new audiences, but then they've also got this very old school gameplay. So I look at what's happening with Wonder, like uh, you've got hallucinogenics back for the first time (laughs) since Yoshi's Island. Yeah, Um, Uh, Touch fuzzy, get busy. Touch fuzzy, get dizzy, you know, yep. that's back. Yep. Um, he turns into an elephant. Yeah. At one point. I mean, exactly. I, I just, I don't know. Like, to me, like, uh, I know that we've had this discussion before, and I know that, you know, technically we actually disagree about this. I know that Super Mario World is my favorite old line Super Mario title, and I know that Super Mario Brothers 3 is yours. Yep. Um, And so I would say if in looking at Super Mario Brothers Wonder, it probably definitely skews more towards a Mario 3 sort of weirdness. Yeah, because I remember (laughs) when I played 3 for the first time and seeing the big world where everything is huge, like the question block is bigger than you and enemies are bigger than you. I thought that was brilliant. And uh, yeah. just the level design, it mm-hmm. was all over the place. And yeah. that was something that Mario never experienced, even with Super Mario 2. I mean, Super Mario 2 technically was not, you know, a traditional Mario game. It right. was actually uh, Doki Doki Panic reskinned into a Mario game. But even that looked pretty trippy. But yeah. this takes the cake. I mean, geez, mm-hmm. like you have pipes, the the pipes that are usually static, like moving up and down and pulsating and doing weird stuff. And I love it. I, yeah, I think this is a shot in the arm that they really needed because 
I mean, if it wasn't for this game, you'd be looking at a lot of like uh, remakes. Yeah. And everyone knows this is like probably the last hurrah for the Switch before they announce the successor, hopefully next year. So this is a great way to kind of, you know, make your way out to the exits for this system and get ready for the new one. And it's definitely not the same old, same old. I mean, Super Mario RPG is a great thing to have a remake, but Mm -hmm. I hope Wonder does well. And I hope it's not going to end up like new Super Mario Brothers 2 where, you know, it just wasn't fun to play. This is a little bit more fun to play. It looks a little bit more involved. And uh, I hope they have some nice surprises where, yeah, it'll make it a fun experience, not just something that looks good. No, I mean, it looks really, really zippy and interesting. It looks like there's some wonderful potential for some pretty bizarre play mechanics and level designs. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely on board with that. And again, like, it's it's the classic Nintendo zigs when everyone is waiting for them to zag. Exactly. Because I I think most of us had said, well, you know, maybe they'll do like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I adore Super Mario Odyssey. I think that's a fantastic title, but I think most of us are probably going, eh, they're probably going to crank out like a Mario Odyssey 2 and, you know, nope, nope, completely different uh, set of plans. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I'm excited so far. Just uh, a little bummer. Uh, no Metroid Prime 4 announcement still. No it's Metroid Prime 4. Six years now. Six years. Six no years. Zero. You know, somebody <laughs> pointed out that in that six year period, all yeah. three Xenoblade Chronicle games came out. Yeah. And not one Prime. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I. <sighs> your guess is as good as mine. I mean, I would have to think that, like, given what an overall, like, strongly positive reception that Metric Prime Remastered got. Yeah, I still like, need to play. I need. I, I, after Tears of the Kingdom, that's another game I need to play. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, if if the sentiment towards that was any bellwether, you would think that, like they would want to follow up on that as soon as possible. But I don't know. Like, it's just Metroid Prime 4 has now reached, like, Duke Nukem Forever level. Like, Well, it's halfway there, literally. Duke Nukem Forever, I heard, took 12 years, and now we're at six years with Prime. Yeah. But, I mean, like, even more so, like, for a title that was announced by Nintendo, Yeah. I don't think they've ever had something that lingered in this kind of limbo for this long without just being like outright canceled. Yeah. This is very, very strange. It's going to end up in digital gaming. (laughs) Most definitely at this rate. (laughs) Yeah. It's very, very weird. Um, We're going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break now so that we can share the spotlight with some of the other podcasts that appear right here on the ruminations radio network. Stay tuned. You've seen Twin Peaks all the way through, but all you have are spoiler-free discussions? At Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. And we're back! And the beat goes on, yay! The beat goes on! Um, so... Here's the subject I'm tired of talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I I like the build-up. I was like, oh, here comes the drama. (laughs) So, if you've been following along on the endless and, frankly, boring saga of Microsoft trying to acquire Activision Blizzard, then you know that there's a variety of other side lawsuits and attempts to hold it up and recriminations being thrown back and forth. And, you know, there's increasing evidence in the margins in terms of, like, recordings or emails or snippets being traded internally at these companies 
that are very counter to some of the things that they're actually saying in court. Um, you know, with Microsoft and Sony, there's fundamentally like three different versions of what's happening. There's what they're saying in court. There's how that entire story manifests in the form of their dialogue with the industry, which is a different animal, like on the consumer side. And then there's what they actually say when they're in private. Now, I think most of us are grownups and we recognize that like, these are two giant corporate entities that do want to put each other out of business. Like, if you're in this business, you want the biggest possible market share and you want the other guy to have nothing. Now, I don't necessarily think that, like, that's a good thing for gamers. I definitely don't. Um, I would love it for, for there to be, like, solid support for all three consoles presently in the market. And to a certain degree, there is. Um, but, you know, Microsoft has definitely fallen behind and we've already talked about that specific thing, like ad nauseum with Mikey a couple times. Um, I just wish that all of these discussions, all of this discourse online, like social media has this really terrible way of turning everything into a binary for Microsoft, you're against Sony. For Sony, you're against Microsoft. You're a Nintendo fanboy. You hate the other ones. Blah, 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 blah. And it just... I don't fucking care at this point, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I just don't. I mean, it's, it's so... It's so tiresome. I don't have stock in Microsoft, Activision, or Blizzard. Be nice if I did. But I don't. Um... I just wish we as gamers in general would just take a fucking cold shower about all this stuff and just recognize that like whatever happens in the courtroom, whatever happens with the stock market, yada, yada, like all you should be worrying about is like what you're going to play and how good it is and whether or not it's worth your time. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's, that's what it boils down to. You just can't really, I mean, welcome to video games. I mean, that happened since the early days. I mean, mean, this is an old, old, old story. If you, if you peel it back, like if you look at Sony's entrance into the market, like fundamentally, with what happened at CES in 1993 with Nintendo basically leaving Sony at the altar with a machine that like there were already prototypes that existed like they're real they're physical like they're extraordinary collectors items now but they actually exist Nintendo gave them the shaft announced a deal with Philips and basically the folks at Sony said we are going to make you pay for this and guess what? They came out and they made Nintendo pay for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not only Nintendo, but Sega. <laughs> right. I mean, Sony came out and kicked everyone's asses in the late 1990s. Yep. And they had such a head of steam from, you know, the arrival of the PlayStation through PlayStation 2, which just bulldozed the market, despite arguably being the weakest piece of hardware between Xbox and GameCube. They're still um, the best-selling system ever, from what I understand. Yeah. yeah, and granted, they ran into trouble after that, and it was at that point where it became a little more of a proper Coke and Pepsi situation because Xbox, following the launch of their initial console, really had a decent piece of kit with 360. You know? They did. Xbox I love my Live face. reached maturity. It was easy to develop for. It had really beautiful games. I mean, it made a number of choices that Sony did not with PlayStation 3. 
And that's why PlayStation 3 is like this weird sort of giant smudge on their resume in terms of hardware releases to this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, you know, be a student of history, you know, recognize that like, whatever it is, unless you're a stockholder, you don't have anything to gain by taking sides in all of this shit. Like, it's ridiculous. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just, it, it, I, I think people started to get a little spoiled when it was more common to see games come out on all three systems or uh, at least Xbox and PlayStation mm-hmm. uh, for at least five or ten years and the whole Minecraft thing when that happened. Yeah, sure, it was great to see Sony begrudgingly say, okay, we'll join you. Mm-hmm. And then they actually did. And yeah, you you can play Minecraft on all three systems where and crossplay where before you couldn't really do that. Um, but I mean, just the fact that... Uh, the, I mean, as a business, you need to have exclusives. You right. need to have some sort of ability to show people, hey, this is something that you can't get from other systems. Come mm-hmm. to us. Right. Okay, that's a given. And then the whole Activision Blizzard thing happened, and a lot of people were saying, well, no, that's too strong because, you know, Call of Duty does so well that. Sony's not going to recover. I don't know. I don't know, man, because Call of Duty may do well in America and maybe in some other Western countries, but in Japan, it doesn't do very well here. Right. Near non-existent there. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy does way better. Right. Apex Legends does way better. Valorant does better. Yeah. And Fortnite definitely does better. Mm Mm-hmm. So... You can't really say that Call of Duty is going to just, like, yeah, it's a good game, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. it's not going to destroy Sony, no. Sony has stuff in their pocket that they can always pull out when uh, Microsoft has something up their sleeve. And they have a much better first-party selection to choose from in terms of games that are much better quality nowadays than Microsoft, which, I mean, that's why they have to buy those titles. They have to buy those companies because they're not doing good. Like, mm-hmm. Halo's not doing so well. Forza's doing good, but not everyone's a racer, you know? Right. Not, any, any, not everyone's into racing. And then yeah. what else do they have to offer besides, I don't know, do they have any adventure games that are more fun than Mario or Last of Us or God of War? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You tell me. So I mean, there's really two things that worked in Sony's favor in trying to enter the market in the first place. Number one, they already had extensive experience designing relevant hardware, right? I mean, it, it was their sound chip and the Super NES that makes it sound the way it does. Um, they had all this consumer electronics experience manufacturing that sort of thing. So that was a huge thing for them. And then number two, they guessed the paradigm shift from cartridges to CD-ROMs in a way that they knew that all the third-party developers are going to be like, hey, that seems really, really cool. Like, we should make games for that. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Cheaper. And yeah. Much cheaper. And, you know, we all know that Nintendo with the N64 was very hell-bent on keeping the cartridge format, having that much control over publishing, um, and they paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I don't know, man. Like, again, I think uh, this should be the last time that we ever talk about this specific subject yeah that's fine by (laughs) me but we'll we'll just leave it at the fact that yeah don't play favorites because just i mean video game culture could disappear once something like cloud gaming comes and everything becomes homogenous (laughs) yeah and 
there's nothing to really celebrate anymore. Everything's just, yeah, I, so I don't know. Spaced. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't, uh, don't waste your time rooting for gargantuan multinational corporations. No. Unless you're a shareholder. No, they're, they're <laughs> going to play victim because I mean, that that's, that's, that's what they're, they're manipulating. Yep. I mean, they would sell all of your mothers. <laughs> <laughs> they would literally sell all of your mothers to get more system sales and software sales. Right. They would have no hesitation. They don't care yeah. about you guys. Yeah. They don't care yeah. about us. They just care so about money. Don't do that. Yeah. Just play yeah. the games. Have fun. Play if, games. Have fun. If a game is on another system and you really want that game, consider buying system. that system. That's yeah. what I'm doing with Street Fighter Six. I might have to buy a PlayStation 5. So there you go. You're getting a PS5. You know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving right along um speaking of ps5 and a very large release that happened this week for ps5 yep and it's very relevant to our big question because we've kind of danced around this subject before specifically with zelda where you know the game has moved to this very different and dramatically different playing format with Breath of the Wild and now Tears of the Kingdom. And there's a sizable number of generally older gamers who grew up with that series who definitely bemoan like the lack of structure or more of a tighter adherence to narrative. And I think basically this same question is now revealing itself with Final Fantasy 16 because if you haven't followed the game or looked at any reviews or anything yet Final Fantasy 16 is a far more action driven affair something much closer to like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta and it eschews the what was at least traditional through the first 10 games um the turn-based menu-driven combat. And so the big question for us to ponder right now is do makers of very specific game franchises owe their audiences anything in terms of sticking to a particular format? Yeah. Um, well. Before we start, um, wasn't the guy who didn't the guy who make Devil May Cry actually help out with Final Fantasy 16 with the combat system? I think there's a few different people involved, um, and I have not delved into that talent pool specifically, but I know that like, yeah, there's a guy from Platinum. There's a guy who spent a lot of time at Capcom that made uh, Dragon's Dogma. Like, I think that's the guy that did help so, with Devil May Cry. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, like we're talking about some pretty profound and different action based yeah. influences. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> uh, like to set up this with this specific case. Yeah. Um, there's always been a very strange thing with Final Fantasy where up until seven, there was always this open question of like, well, can we ever really make this series like succeed in the West? Because we only got one of the original trilogy that dropped on NES. Then four came out as two in the U S we didn't get the Japanese final fantasy five until years later when it dropped on PlayStation and the series actually globally adopted like the same numeric titling for all of the games um we got final fantasy 6 is ff3 um so there's always been that where like uh, up until ff7 there was always like well can it succeed in america does that series have like real relevance here part of it had to do with those tended to be more expensive games like those are big cartridges 
And that was also a lot of localization work, especially when you had like a much bigger game, the way something like a Final Fantasy three in the US or Chrono Trigger was. Yeah. But <laughs> um now it's a strange situation because you have Square Enix, same company, Dragon Ball or Dragon Quest. <laughs> Ball, well, well the guy who Dragon's worked on Dragon Quest. Ball actually uh, illustrated for yes, Dragon Quest. It's Toriyama, yeah. Still in the ballpark. Yeah. Um it seems to me that Square has seen Square Enix has made this decision where like DQ is to now remain the turn-based flagship RPG. And it seems like FF is going to be more prone to experiments from here on out. Um, what are your thoughts about this, Ed? Well, I I really want to play Final Fantasy 16, and that will be the first game I play once I get a PS5 aside from Street Fighter V. Um, just to see Thanks. and just to be able to talk about it. Um, Please don't play I, Street Fighter V. Yeah, what? <laughs> You said Street Fighter Five. Yeah. Oh, six. Sorry. <laughs> God. You know when we do these casts, um, it's like nine in the morning, so you got to forgive me. I'm still kind of groggy, it's but okay. yes, I'm six. Send you some coffee. Six. Yes. Thank you. Street Fighter Six. But um, here's my feelings about uh, if someone wants to kind of do something different with their title yeah go for it i mean because you don't want to be stagnant you don't want to mm-hmm. like just do the same thing all the time i mean we just saw that with super mario wonder i mean right. you saw that with tears of the kingdom and uh breath of the wild with the right. breakable weapons things like that and the open world mm-hmm. some people are not going to like it but you notice that a lot of people really enjoy this game now so yeah. um but at this on the same token you gotta have you have to think very clearly about what you're transitioning from why are you transitioning from this to this why do you feel that this didn't work in the first place and how do you accentuate it or how do you change it so that it's more interesting more uh beneficial to the gamer um I don't know what Final Fantasy 16 is doing. Um, mm-hmm. Some reports are saying like, oh, um, the gameplay is a little, well, the, the combat system is good, but the RPG elements are becoming shallow now in this game because mm-hmm. it feels like, well, it's labeled as an RPG. So we got to throw in these RPG elements to make it feel, still an rpg and it's forced this is what i would have issues with if you don't have a clear vision of what you're transitioning from and what you're transitioning to and you're just doing something for the sake of doing it i'm starting to think that you're losing your identity what brought your series to the table in the first place it's one thing to kind of accentuate and improve on things it's another thing to just do different things for the sake of doing it mm-hmm. and throwing stuff on the wall and make uh seeing what sticks on the wall yeah that's what i would have kind of uh, beef with yeah i mean uh, it's a really interesting question because like by the same token you know, not even just with Dragon Quest XI, mm-hmm. there's been a variety of successful, more traditional JRPGs in this time span. Um, you know, the Xenoblade Chronicles games um, yeah. doing really, really well. There's, you know, there's a boatload of JRPGs on the Switch specifically yeah. um, and the other platforms. So... Yeah, that's true. You know, that's a common thing people say that, oh, the traditional Japanese role-playing game system is outdated and it doesn't work anymore. How do you know that? It still sells. Right. People still want it. No, I don't think it. that's really, I don't think that's really it at all. That's I mean, not a valid 
That's not a valid argument. Yeah. I had heard a lot about FF16. And to be honest, I didn't really know what to make of it. And then when I sat and played the demo, when that dropped, Uh I was really sucked in, man. Like that's good. I mean, I really appreciated the storytelling. Uh It was just coming at things from like a very different place in terms of storytelling than I think those games have done before. Yeah. So between that and like the really enjoyable combat, I mean, yes, I was quite aware that like, you know, there wasn't the turn-based combat and you know the aesthetics of it were still very much in the visual language of FF, even though it was obviously like a little moodier, a little darker, definitely leaning more towards something like Game of Thrones than kind of the more upbeat sort of medieval vibe that yeah. you know is indicative of like the the real like classic games of the series i was digging it a lot and i'm looking forward to spending more time with that game if anything the thing that it reminded me of and you know besides like the immenseness of final fantasy 7 fandom which you know just endures and is like its own animal entirely there were so many great and interesting games from Squaresoft on the PlayStation in the late 1990s. They were really at a place where like they seemed to just be ahead of a lot of developers in terms of coming to grips with the PlayStation hardware in terms of really putting forth like, these very specific detailed and beautiful visions for things. And they inhabited a variety of genres. I mean, you ever played something like Einhander or final fantasy tactics, which, you know, now has been reborn in the form of triangle strategy. Um, uh, Toeball. Yeah. The Toeball games, Toeball one and two, like Toeball two still remains quite possibly the most technically impressive PlayStation game. I mean, it it was running at 480i. I mean, at 60 frames, like really fast, beautiful, high poly count, but like using kind of the Garo shading. So it had this really unique kind of clean look. Like, you know, I have very fond memories of the Squaresoft of that era. And so seeing some of the talent behind this new final fantasy 16 and the way that they're kind of trying to break that genre and do something a little bit different. Um, I'm completely at home with it, but by the same token, like I get it. I mean, I understand that like, you know, I revere those original final fantasy games as much as anybody. I mean, yeah, it's the whole reason I went and picked up the Pixel remasters because I love those games to pieces. Um, but by the same token, it's like, man, that formula was done so many times. It has. <laughs> like, there's so many traditional <clears throat> JRPGs that you can go out and play still, and there's still tons of new ones. So, yeah, I guess that would be my advice to anybody. That, like, if you're looking at FF16 and you're bummed out, like, that thing completely still exists and they're getting new iterations of it. They're just not called Final Fantasy. So, if you can just maybe take off the brand goggles for a second and just think about what some of these other games actually have to offer and give one of them a try you might be really pleasantly surprised by what you find, you know? Well, geez, not only that. I mean, Final Fantasy was never a continuous type of series. You'd right. be lucky I mean, to have every, more than one sequel. Yeah, there was, there was never any narrative coherence to it. I mean, there were just some of the same things 
that would appear like types of spells, the chocobos, the airships, the the castles. I mean, all of that stuff, you know, just got mutated and stretched around and turned into very different things over subsequent chapters yeah. of the series. Just be glad you didn't get three guys in a car again. <laughs> I know, like, you know, at least this one doesn't center around, like, It's not band. Night at the Roxbury anymore, just be glad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, man, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, like, I get it, like, when you spend that much time with any given video game, like, that is a very deep emotional investment, and, you know... Yeah, we're you, you at a don't. Time where we're yeah. not really sure where this industry's headed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very pessimistic about the whole cloud gaming thing. I recognize that as potentially treacherous territory, but by the same token, like I'm heartened that there are still pretty profound, like technical limitations that will probably prevent that for at least another generation or two. Yeah, you know, there's just not enough quality bandwidth everywhere for them to turn all of those things exclusively into a service. But you know, who knows? We'll wind up seeing where that all where that all lands. But um, until uh, that cannot be staved off any longer, as we yeah. uh, mentioned earlier, just enjoy what you have and yeah. uh, play just different. Just take a deep breath and just play it. I mean, don't go in with pre preconceived notions that, oh, this is going to suck. I mean, it's one thing to do what I do and have low expectations, but I kind of have that hope that it's going to be better. I just don't want to bring myself up to the point of huge disappointment. I mean, that's on purpose, but I'm not going to say before I even touch the game, oh, this game sucks, you know? Right. I have to experience it and play it through until I get to a point where I, okay, I know what it is, like 50 hours later, whatever, and then finally say, okay, yeah, it's either really good or just sucks, not worth my time. But yeah, Yeah. just play it. Yep. And uh, Play things. Try things. I mean, I think, you know... And change is good. I, I, change is good, and I think there's a reason that, like, that's a pretty confident move to turn out, like, a playable three-hour demo a week before a game drops. Yeah. Because if anything, like, there were probably a lot of people basing their decisions on whether or not to buy that game based on that demo. Yeah. That's, that's what happened with me. I mean, I read all the news and like I'd seen screenshots and a few videos and like, I wasn't bowled over by it initially. I was kind of like, eh, maybe that's worth playing. Da, 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 da. And now like, I'm really exciting about excited about sitting down and spending some time with it. You know, yeah. whenever that happens, whenever I'm not playing SF six or mm-hmm. tears of the kingdom, like, yeah, it's just too damn much to play right now. Anyway. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> just, yeah. Like uh, the the changes, things like that. I I mean that that's what you have to do to grow as a company, as a series, and just when you play it, like I said, just don't 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 think about it. Just experience it until yeah. you get to the end, and then yeah, then then you'll know for sure, and you'll you'll just think of it as a an analyzing it, like you know, yeah. we, we all want to know what a good game is and the more good games you play the more knowledgeable you are about video games so you might as well play final fantasy 16 because then you can say okay this worked this didn't work it's a fun thing to do just do that don't yeah don't like shun it and keep yourself from playing it because i mean it's an experience games are experiences just live those experiences and add it to your experience belt and yep. just grow as a gamer because even if even if this game sucks at least you played it and you know it sucks and you can say right. it sucks with confidence sure yeah but don't say it sucks without confidence <laughs> play, yeah. play it to get well the- i mean think about how often you've heard somebody say oh that game sucks yep but they're not saying yeah i played it i didn't think it was too good 
Yeah. Usually people are just like, ah, that sucks. Yeah. And they haven't actually played it, but they read enough shit about something. Yeah. That they decided in advance, eh, I'll probably skip that. But maybe yeah. the moral here is just spend less time on the internet. Yeah. Don't be a monster. Be a human. Yes. <laughs> but you can always check us out on Instagram and uh, and uh, and uh, Twitter on Oh God It Hurts, Oh God It HD. Yeah. 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 That's the only place you should visit. <laughs> just follow up. Just follow us and no one else. Yeah, exactly. And all will be fine. Yeah, there you go. We're <laughs> all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another fine outing talking games with you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug right now? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Game Agent ET. That's all I'm doing right now. Nice. How about you? Uh, I am on Instagram as at Super Mario Kart. If you want some free wins or possibly embarrassing beatings, depending on your level of skill or character you choose. If you want the hams. If you want, if you want to taste the hams. The real Japanese hams. Uh, you can play my scrubby E Honda on Street Fighter Six by adding me at Project Icarus. Uh, swap out that I for a one, <laughs> and uh, you've got my handle. Did you hear that line from E Honda yet about the beef? My no. friends, uh, oh, who, who's at Capcom? He he put in that line. Oh, is it in Japanese or is it voiced in English? It's in English. Okay, I have Japanese voices on mine because the English uh, ones just sound weird to me. Oh, but okay, yeah. Does he also say it in Japanese? I'm not sure. I, I think it's different dialogue, but um, I think it's in World Tour. I don't remember. <laughs> A but... lot of E Honda stuff just really makes me crack up to begin with. I mean, I yeah. love the wind pose where like people are throwing the sumo cushions. Yeah. Off screen. Have you That's... watched a lot of him? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, he looks really good. A lot of people are complaining <laughs> about him already, which is great because that means, you know, he's going to be fun to play. So I, I look forward to it. <laughs> he's also got this great ridiculous sort of power up taunt where like he stands up and throws salt and like this light from heaven shines on him. Nice. <laughs> that is that is epic, man. I, I can't wait to play this game. Jeez. So I was doing that a lot from across the screen because... <laughs> Uh, our good buddy Mark was playing JP and he was doing a lot of JP's nasty like range stuff yeah so like I would do the, the why, you, why the, you gotta taunt dude I would do the spirit of the salt <laughs> from a distance and it does make you salty yes uh huh instantly mm, salty like a ham <laughs> that's awesome alright everybody thanks so much for tuning in and have a fantastic uh week, day, month, whatever it is. And Play enjoy games. your gaming. Play games. Spend less time online. Goodbye. Bye!